the keys are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. The 49ers trade deadline has come and gone. And with that, the 49ers make a huge splash move, bringing in Chase Young. So I titled this the 49ers Chase Gold. And I think that's exactly what they're doing. Welcome, everyone, for joining in. Let's have a fun fun conversation about what John Lynch was able to uh, capable of doing here at the trade deadline to bring in another high-profile, high-caliber player in Chase Young. Of course, injury concerns have pretty much followed Chase Young since year two when he got hurt. But we're talking about a guy who was Rookie of the Year in his first season, a second overall pick, a lot of talent. The dude is a beast, and now you're adding him opposite of Nick Bosa. And if you go back and you go back through my videos I talked about the 49ers potentially trading for Chase Young before the season, so you already know I'm super excited about this one. And what's up to David V, says hashtag TCC. Yeah, what's up, David V's in the house. Josh, what's up? Says, what's up, Ant? How's it going? Josh also says, 49ers trades taking candy from a baby. Yeah, we're going to get into all of the specifics. Joel, how's it going? David Campbell's in the house. How's it going? And Joel already says, since we didn't get a quarterback, when do we activate Womack or Luter Jr.? So I'll get into those in one second. But I want to talk a little bit about Chase Young because uh, this was an absolute you know, brilliant move uh, for the 49ers bringing him in. And I want to go through you know, what they gave up and exactly uh, what it means financially. Uh, but I got to do this real quick. The last of the major pro sports league kick, kick, kicks off this week and bet online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With Major League Baseball postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to the Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use your promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. So you get Chase Young. And what do you give up a third round comp pick? Like this is this is nuts. Me and Josh were having a little bit of discourse about this over on on X or Twitter or whatever you call it. Uh, so the thing is, you give up a third round comp pick. Basically, that's what you got back uh, at one point for Martin Mayhew, and now you're sending something that way. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, the 49ers go the cheap route. A lot of people very upset with the 49ers for not getting Montez Sweat earlier in the day uh, for a second-round pick. But let's be honest, they weren't going to outbid the Bears, whose second-round pick goes to, what, pick 35, pick 36? You're not going to turn that down if you're Washington. But the 49ers sit back, they wait, and then they strike on a move to get Chase. Uh, And that's exactly what they had to do. They had to make a splash. I think they would have liked to have made a splash in the secondary as well. Maybe that didn't materialize. But what you're getting is a guy that can set the edge and do very good as far as helping in the pass game. And David V uses his membership uh, abilities to use, use a super chat and says, let's go for, let's go Niners. 
So thanks so much, David V, for that. So you give up a third-round comp pick. Then it turns out Chase Young for the rest of the season is only going to cost the 49ers $561,000. That's it. The fact that it's just $561,000 means the 49ers continue to maintain their cap space that they want to roll into next year. Financial flexibility. The, uh, the Gregory trade did that, and now the, the Chase Young trade does that. So the 49ers are making sure they keep their financial flexibility heading into next year with decisions that need to be made about Tano Fonga, Aaron Banks, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, there are decisions that the 49ers have to make moving forward, and they continue to have the money to do so. Now, if Chase Young decides to leave in free agency after the season, you're probably going to get a third-round comp pick back for him. So you may lose out on a third-round comp pick in 24, but get that comp pick back in 2025. It's almost a no harm, no foul. Now, if Chase Young comes in and balls out and you decide that you want to use that money to go towards Chase Young, you could definitely do that. Uh, so the 49ers have options with this move. But financial flexibility is huge, and the amount of capital they gave up is huge, considering that Chase Young has five sacks in this season. So the 49ers just traded for Chase Young, and he's already the number one sack getter on the 49ers. It's crazy. That's how big of an upgrade that was right away. And, and David V with the Super Chat, uh, thanks so much, David V, says, let loose the dogs of war. Uh, yeah, I love that. And that's the thing. Classic is going to love that. He's always talking about releasing the dogs. And uh, they definitely got it done. And so you got to love that. I missed this Super Chat from Bobo, but I got to get to it. Bobo says, despite the skid, we will win number six. Better to lose now. I love this from Bobo, and thanks so much for the super chat. You got to think about last year. If the 49ers don't struggle early on in the season, they might not make the Christian McCaffrey trade. If the 49ers go, don't go on a three-game skid, they might not make the move for Chase Young. I mean, they might have, but I think they felt like they had to do it. It works for as far as morale in the locker room. Schematically, it makes a lot of sense with the way he's able to set the edge against the run, but still can bend the corner, has the power to, to walk a tackle back. Uh, the 49ers now on their starting defensive line have three first-round picks. Chase Young, Nick Vosa, and Eric Armstead, and Javon Hargrave has played at a high level. Now Chase Young has to be the guy that wins on those double-team opportunities. They double-team everybody else. You're one-on-one. -on -one, you better win. And I think that's going to provide some opportunities for everyone else on the defensive line. Uh, so I absolutely love that move right there. It, it was fantastic. So a big move for the 49ers getting Chase Young, whose pass rush productivity this year is tied for six with T.J. Watt. So that's the kind of force he's playing with this year. He's playing at a very high level. You see Nick Bosa is in the teens. He's at 16th. And you've got Chase Young coming in at six, reuniting Chase Young and Nick Bosa together again, just like they were at Ohio State. Uh, so you know they've got similar coaching. They had played for the same defensive line coach in college. Similar hand placement, hand technique. They both play with power. They both have speed to bend the corner. Uh, this is a great pickup for the 49ers because now they have a legitimate threat that offenses have to uh, pay attention to. You want to single them up? Yeah, Bosa's got to win in single situations. Yes, Chase Young's got to win in those situations, but it's not as easy now as just max protecting, doubling everyone, uh, because these guys can still win and be double teams. So I love that overall. 
And I want to get to some of these some of these comments too. I don't want to you know miss out. I know that we had some good questions, so I want to get into those. Uh, just like Joel said here, since we didn't get a cornerback, when do we activate Womack or Luter Jr.? It all depends on where you expect to play Womack. Uh, I think we're starting to get to the time where Womack was officially going to be healthy. The 49ers can activate his 21-day window um, at you know any time now. We'll see what they do. Uh, the questions for Womack are, is you know, do they see him as a nickel corner option? One of the concerns they had last year and the reason that Yamra Lenore ended up taking a spot in the nickel last season was his run fits. Uh, that is something that they were definitely worried about with Womack, and it got him off the field. Is he better this year? I don't know. The fact that they've continued to play him outside all through training camp, all through the preseason, makes me believe they see him as an outside corner. So I'm not sure he's an option because Tarverius Ward and Diameter Lenore are going to start. They're your two best corners on the outside right now. I think most people's question marks are Isaiah Oliver. So until you have an outside corner you feel is better than Lenore, so you can move Lenore in, or better than Isaiah Oliver and Runfits, I'm not sure they make that move. Uh, they've just got to figure out a way to help Isaiah Oliver. Now, post, uh, fa- you know, the fades out of the, the slot, the slot fade, those are things that the 49ers secondary is going to struggle with no matter who's the nickel. And so that's just something to remember when you're looking at these coverages. And I love this from David Campbell. I am getting Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis vibes. I love that. I mean, and these are two legit, I mean, absolutely legit, uh, you know, edge rushers. You just can't believe that you know you get the riches that you get imagine that now your rotation takes another step forward now you're starting chase young and boson let's be honest chase young's going to be ready to start against jacksonville good thing they picked up ezra cleveland that was a big pickup by them they're going to need it against this 49ers defensive line because now they're going to come in waves you got that then you've got gregory and farrell coming in next uh on the outside with kevin givens and javon kinlaw i think this might be now the depth that the 40 yards have been looking for, and that's one of the things everyone's been talking about when they were coming in the reaction shows and talking to me, was maybe the depth wasn't what people thought. Uh, and so I, I think that's huge. And Mr. Corey says, Chase Young helps the secondary people. I wanted Young over Sweat. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Corey has been big on the addition of, of Chase Young all uh, the time that he's been coming through the channel and it's it's huge to go ahead and get a player like this it does help the secondary and i think that the 49ers know they need to make some adjustments there and i think that they can they will and this helps anytime you can speed up the internal clock of a quarterback uh it makes them make their reads a little bit quicker which means if you understand the concepts of the team that you're going against you could take away their early reads and make them throw the ball to their check down or their kill zone where you can roll up and make the tackle for a short gain or potentially get home for a sack. So that is exactly what the 49ers want to do. They just haven't had the weapons up front to do it. And I don't think Randy Gregory really has had enough time to completely uh, get into this 49ers defense. And there's some things that need to be worked out schematically. I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up anyone's butt and say it's not because there are some things they need to get better at. Uh, But Chase Young definitely helps this football team immensely just from a game plan situation because now offensive teams have to pay attention to that other side. And if you have a left tackle that's pretty good, it doesn't mean you can just leave him one-on-one with Chase Young. If you don't give help, he might end up getting a sack on the play. So it's a big thing. And Josh is kind of saying the same thing Mr. Corey is. Pass rush will make this secondary 
elite. It's gonna make it a lot. It's gonna make it a lot better. That is for sure. And what's up to Spidey Danger? Spidey Danger in the house. Um, always good to have Spidey Danger coming through saying hashtag TCC. And hey, hit that like button. Yeah, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. I uh, really appreciate it. If you're listening to an audio platform, 49ers Cutback on Believe. Uh, thanks so much for joining the show as we go through and talk about Chase Young. It's uh, making people feel like WTM today feels so good. And it's interesting. You know, I, I work night, so I, I wake up a little bit later. And as I wake up, I'm seeing tw- I'm seeing the you know the Twitter, and it's like there's all this negative from Montez Sweat, from Ezra Cleveland, and then in one fell swoop, a move for Chase Young for a third round pick, financial flexibility. Uh, you start to see the the wizardry of John Lynch making a move and getting it done and putting the 49ers in a position where they can chase for gold because they are trying to win right now. This is a move that signals once again the 49ers are all in. I mean, Charles Aminahue said, wow, 49ers going crazy. He understands what this move means for the 49ers defensive front. He understands what this means as far as pass rush uh, because pass rush gets the 49ers moving. I mean, we talked a little bit about how this move helps the secondary and how it makes the rotation that much better. But that's what you want. You want those waves. That was one thing about 2019. The front four, the, the starters were absolutely elite. Uh, I mean, they could all get home to the quarterback. Well, now you finally got that. Because I think as much as I like Cleveland Farrell against the run, and I think he's been really good setting the edge against the run, he hasn't been a consistent force at bringing pressure. So teams knew they could pay full attention to the other three and single up Cleveland Farrell. Craig Jackson was coming in, and he hasn't been able to get it done. So they went the Randy Gregory route, and we haven't seen it consistently work. But one thing that was noticeable, even once you got Randy Gregory, was you still didn't have the full rotation you needed, the depth that was going to be able to consistently bring pressure every single snap when Bosa's not on the field. You know, when Hargrave's not on the field, you have to have guys that can get it done. And so the 49ers had to make sure they did something that was going to help this defense and put them over the top, and this could be the move. Uh, Chase Young could be the move that makes this defense uh, not only go back to what they were doing in the first five games, but actually take it to another level. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do with the trade deadline is make things happen. Mark says, let's hope Chase gives new life to the rest of his teammates and turn this around. It comes at a great time, right? Last year, uh, Christian McCaffrey, when he came in, it sparked them. And I know they lost to Kansas City, but after that, there was no no wavering, right? They just believed that they were going to come back. They were going to make plays, and they reeled off you know, some big wins. And you've seen the 49ers kind of have to make a move after Seattle went out and got Leonard Williams and fortified their defensive line. Uh, they had gotten Frank Clark. But I think this move dwarfs that move for the mere fact of what you gave up. You gave up a third-round pick for Chase Young and five sacks. They give up a two and a five for Leonard Williams. And I like Leonard Williams, but we've already seen the 49ers can neutralize Leonard Williams. We've already seen the 49ers have been able to neutralize Frank Clark. But you, when you're in a battle like this and you've got to continue to add weapons, I love that we have a general manager that is so shrewd that not only can he add a weapon that can potentially put your team over the top, but he adds a weapon that is very cheap, that doesn't hurt you financially. It's very strategic. It's very smart. Uh, I just love how they go about it. But you're right. I hope it gives a spark to the rest of the team, Mark. T-Max says, I know the trade deadline has passed, 
but does anyone know if they're working on a deal for the Bears cornerback? So basically what happened with Jalen Johnson, he was, they were a lot of teams in on him. There is no deal that's going to come down for Jalen Johnson. The Bears decided to go ahead and keep him. I think the signal, the trade for Montez Sweat, this is the second straight year. The Bears should have been sellers, but they end up being buyers. Uh, Jalen Johnson wanted a new contract. As soon as I saw Jalen Johnson wanted a new contract, wanted to be paid one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the league, and had turned down multiple extensions from the Bears at $17 million plus. Uh, $15 million would have put him in the top 10 cornerbacks in the league. He wanted seven over $17 million. I figured the 49ers were kind of shy away from that deal, and I think that's why you've seen a team like the Buffalo Bills, who that was also in on Jalen Johnson, go ahead and move on to Razul Douglas from the Green Bay Packers and make that move because it was just too expensive for Johnson. Not only have to work out that new contract, uh, but also what were you going to have to give up as far as draft capital to the Bears? And I think ultimately the Bears don't want him to go. They want him to be a staple in their defense. I mean, here they are adding Montez Sweat. Why would they want to trade away one of the best cornerbacks in the league? It just did, ended up not making sense. So yeah, no cornerback coming the 49ers way. And the tough part is, uh, when it comes to a cornerback now, I mean, even if a team releases a veteran, which there'll probably be some some players released in the next several weeks, uh, they have to clear waivers now. Even if you're four-plus years, everyone has to clear waivers. So that, that makes it a little bit more difficult for, for a team that was maybe wants to pick up somebody, is if you're a better team in the league, where you add on the waiver wire, it's harder to pick up better players. Uh, so just remember that as well. And what's up to Stovey? Stovey says, hey, y'all. Uh, welcome, Stovey. Um, Mr. Corey says, we traded for Adderay Jackson, but the the bum-ass Giants didn't report it in time, so it didn't go through. I don't know if this is entirely accurate. I haven't been able to verify the source, uh, whether that is correct. I did see that post. I don't know if that's correct. Uh, he sent the post in at 102 on Twitter. Uh, usually the the NFL and other pro sports leagues give you a little bit of grace as far as, hey, you know, we made the deal before the time, but we, we need reporting it now. So I think I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards maybe that's not possible, but it made a lot of sense, right? Because uh, Tim Kawakami had said that he heard another deal was coming and Kawakami is definitely, um, you know, fit in. He understands he has sources. Uh, he, he understands what's going on. So I was thinking another deal was imminent. That's why I kind of waited to go live. I wanted to be able to talk about both deals. So it looks like the 49ers potentially were sniffing around defensive backs. I don't know if the Adderay Jackson thing uh, is is actually accurate, uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see if if that was you know one of the the things that they were potentially interested in. Uh, Josh says that move for Garza was really nice for a sixth. Um, so there are moves that were coming on all over the place uh, from multiple people. So. Uh, Stovey says that Adderay Jackson news is fake, right? I think it is. I'm not a hundred percent either way. Uh, but you know, it, it definitely does seem like it could be uh, fake. I don't know for sure if it's true or not, but here it is Halloween, right? Uh, WTM says coach Ant, does this chase young move give us the best front seven in football? Now, I think it comes down to the 49ers and the Eagles and the Eagles defensive line and offensive line are, are spectacular. Uh, but we definitely have an advantage in the linebacker position compared to uh, the Eagles when you talk Fred Warner and, and Drake Greenlaw. Uh, but, I mean, now you're, in that, now you're in that mix. I mean, the Eagles definitely have a great defensive line. I think it comes down to that front seven against the 49ers front seven, and we'll see. Right now, I would say the 49ers defensive line is underperformed 
over the first, you know, eight games of the season, and they're going to have to respond. But Chase Young gives them a huge advantage. And I think now your rotation of Cleveland Farrell and Randy Gregory means you're going to have opportunities to not only give Nick Bosa some a little bit of breaks here and there, uh, but a constant pressure on the offense that they can't go look and say, oh, Bosa's off the field. We're going to go take a big shot down the field because now the 49ers have Randy Gregory who could potentially still put pressure on. So uh, I think it's right. They're right in the mix for it. It comes down to them and the Eagles as the potential two best right there. WTM says, Coach Ant, how good is Chase Young against the run? He's good. He sets the edge very well. He's a legit three-down defensive end. And that's what the 49ers have been missing. They were trying to go with a two-part. Cleveland Farrell's really good against the run, and he's played good against the run this year. And then they were going to go uh, with Jackson, Drake Jackson, to play you know that specialized pass role. Uh, that's what they did early on. It worked in week one against Pittsburgh when Drake Jackson was able to run down Kenny Pickett and make plays as far as Jackson in the football game. But it has not panned out because when Drake Jackson came in on obvious rundowns, teams were taking advantage of him. As early as uh, this last week, they were taking advantage of Drake Jackson two straight runs when he came in at left defensive end. They ran a jet sweep for a play around the edge, and then they ran a toss play right at him. Those are the kinds of plays that make it difficult to get Drake Jackson out there. Not to mention, Drake hasn't had a play where he bent the corner and got home to the quarterback uh, this season. All of his sacks have been chase, uh, chase down sacks and run down sacks. So they needed to add someone with that three down uh, position ability, and they got it with Chase Young. He's going to set the edge really well against the run. He has good, strong, physical hands. Uh, he's also very good at being able to bend the corner, but has the necessary power. I mean, the guy's massive to be able to walk a offensive tackle back into the quarterback. And this could be huge when they play teams like the Eagles because you've got to be able to keep Jalen Hurts inside the pocket. You can't be hyper-aggressive and just fly up the field. You have to be able to take on that tackle and push him back. And they have two of the bigger tackles in the league in the Eagles. So I do think it was a big move. So uh, Josh says the 49ers released Anthony Brown. That was my next question. What was going to be the corresponding move? Uh, the 49ers go ahead and make a move at the cornerback position, releasing Anthony Brown. Uh, that's coming from Josh, 49ers Faithful Forever. So thanks for uh, staying up to date on what's going on because that was one of the things I had in my notes. What's the corresponding move? You know, do they put a player on IR? Uh, do they go ahead and uh, move on from Kalia Davis, which I don't think they wanted to do? So what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to skimp a little bit on the back end with them elevating a cornerback every single week for special teams reasons. It makes sense to move on from Anthony Brown. My only thing that's interesting about that is Steve Wilkes just a couple weeks ago talked about the 49ers' depth having Anthony Brown available and his position versatility to play nickel and outside. So interesting, but you got to do what you got to do. Also, now Anthony, Anthony Brown will have to clear waivers. Potentially, maybe they can bring him back to the practice squad. We'll see if somebody else uh, picks him up. But So the 49ers make that move. And uh, that's what, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to continue to mold your roster and you don't want to lose Drake Jackson. You don't want to lose Cleveland Farrell, Randy Gregory. Fourniers are putting an emphasis on defensive line, which they've done over the last several years, whether it's Sala or D'Amico Ryans. It's very apparent it's going to be that way now. Fourniers going back to the basics of what their defense is about. Ziggy says, I wish we would have got some offensive help too. I feel like Ayuk and Kittle and CMC, the only ones doing anything, well, the good news is you have an all-pro player coming in in Debo Samuel. 
Uh, so you're right. Right now, Kittle and Ayuka have been the ones that have been carrying the load. Christian McCaffrey, of course, doing his thing 17 straight games with a touchdown. But you're reinstituting two all pros into your offense. And that's why I think Kyle said we had the necessary players inside the building is when you get Debo Samuel back, that's a huge effect on your team, not just as a receiver, but as a playmaker, as an attention getter for opposing defenses. He's going to open up the run game, but Trent Williams is going to hammer home that run game. When you run behind Trent Williams, you have way more opportunities, over 382 yards running behind Trent Williams, and he didn't even play the last two weeks and played on an injured ankle against the Cleveland Browns. So uh, the 49ers are getting those two guys back. Would there have been an offensive move I'd have been down for? I would have loved to see them address the tight end position with maybe another you know, uh, pass catcher, but you don't know what's going to materialize out there. But I think that's their thinking. Hey, we're getting a couple guys back. You know, Without Debo Samuel, the 49ers are averaging 17 points a game. With Debo Samuel, the 49ers are averaging over 30 points a game. Uh, so maybe that is huge. Bobo says, I guess, Ky I guess Kyle and Wilkes are confident with the DBs we got. Uh, I think they probably entertained bringing in a defensive back. I'm sure, you know, a cornerback would have been something they were interested in. But when it comes to John Lynch, he's got to make sure you pick up a player that helps your football team while also not mortgaging the future. Uh, that's why you see all these moves that he's made. Gregory, Chase Young, very shrewd moves. So uh, both will have an impact on the secondary, whether you bring in a corner or you bring in a defensive lineman that adds pass rush. Uh, both will have an impact on the overall success of an offense throwing the football. But yeah, I mean, if there was a, an option there to improve in the secondary and help this team without you know, mortgaging the future of the 49ers roster and sustainability of potentially keeping this window open a little bit longer, I think John Lynch would have done it. It didn't materialize. So that's kind of uh, you know, why they've had to do you know, the moves that they've made. And what's up, Paul? Paul in the chat, how's it going? Uh, glad you came through. And Ziggy says, I do like Womack in coverage, though. Yeah, I like Womack. I mean, he's a ball hawk. Uh, the one thing that he gives up a little bit is this in the, the height category. But we see Demo is able to overcome that pretty consistently. So I, I do think Womack is a legit option for the 49ers. I just don't know if they are willing to put him in the nickel. And I don't think he's better than Diamond or Lenore on the outside. And without him being better than Demo on the outside, I don't know where we would see Womack play. I think Isaiah Oliver, uh, you know, against the run is literally spectacular. Against the screen passes, he's absolutely spectacular. Uh, but right now, he got beat for those two touchdowns, and I don't think people are going to get over those things very quickly. The first one, uh, the slot fade, in my opinion, was just a great throw and a great route. Coverage wasn't bad. It was going to take a spectacular throw, and they got it. Uh, the second one, he bit. I mean, that's on him. He tried to fly up and make a play in the screen, and Jamar Chase just ran right by. It was a great play call, great execution, and Isaiah Oliver got caught with dirty eyes, and he got beat on it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have situations where players make mistakes, and I think Isaiah Oliver made a couple in this last game. Paul says, love the trade, hoping um, Luter Jr. and Womack can contribute. I don't know. You know, I, I hear people talking about Luter Jr. all the time. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think Luter Jr. is going to play this year. I think they're going to completely redshirt him the entire year. I do expect Sam Womack to come back because his impact on special teams can be felt. Plus, he's a legitimate you know, corner three for the 49ers with position versatility if they need. We might lose something as far as run fits in the run game, but I think he's legit. I think Darrell Luter Jr. is a little bit further away. 
I think the 49ers know that with him, with Robert Beal Jr., and they're going to just kind of hold those guys till next year, and then they can come in and compete, get a full offseason with the 49ers, kind of the way they did with Kalia Davis. They're trying to build these guys, but it allows them to kind of keep a hold of these guys a little bit longer. So I don't expect to see Luter Jr. unless we suffer some major injuries at the cornerback position in 2023. So I, I think that's just you know something that happens. Um, Josh says the 49ers signed offensive lineman Jesse Davis to the practice squad, released Sheffield. Makes sense. Sheffield had used his two um, advancements to the active roster. Go ahead and and bring a, you know bring on an offensive lineman. You just lost Aaron Banks potentially for I don't they said a few weeks, so I don't know if that means he'll miss Jaguars and one more or just Jaguars. Luckily, you have John Feliciano to step in and start. I think that's a good option, uh, but you are a little bit weaker in the interior offensive line. They could also go with Matt Pryor. They showed that a, a few weeks ago that Matt Pryor could play on the inside too. So I think they feel like they have some position versatility, but why not bring in the offensive lineman? You have Jamar Jean Charles. You have other secondary help. So 49ers doing that. Stoey has heard in another podcast, uh, Sap mentioned the Tampa Bay Bucks days. It was all about the D-line for the DBs. Yeah, 100%. That, that's why John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, because if you remember right, John Lynch is kind of, uh, they don't quite overlap each other, but they played in the same regime, right? They have the same understanding with the defensive coaches. John Lynch plays in Tampa Bay. It's all predicated off Simeon Rice, Warren Sapp, that great pass rush with a good middle linebacker, and then everything kind of comes off of that. So I think when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan got together, they had a same thought process on how to build a team. And it was starting from the defensive line. And that's exactly what they're doing here. They continue to do that. And when you do that, it leaves opportunities for your secondary to make plays. And the 49ers secondary through the first five games was ball hawk, ball hawking ability. They had 10, 10 interceptions through the first five. Uh, through the first six, they had 11 that is great production from your, your secondary, your linebacker core. So, yeah, that's how you build it. I think that's exactly what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been trying to do and continue to do. If you can't upgrade, sometimes in the secondary, you upgrade other spots that help. It's all it's all intertwined and all working together, and this is going to be a big piece. The four yards getting Chase Young, uh, it just changes the way offenses are going to be able to attack the 49ers defense. I think now the 49ers defense can start dictating again. One of the biggest things with football is dictating what the opposing half does. And if you're on defense, you want to make the offense only able to do certain things. Right now, they haven't been able to do that. So I think Chase Young is going to give them the ability to do that. Uh, Ziggy says, now the question is, do we... A sign after this year, how much is he worth? Well, that's the fun thing. You get to let this completely play out. If Chase Young comes in and absolutely tears it up, your team turns into a bona fide Super Bowl winner, and you win the Super Bowl, and Chase Young ended up with 15 sacks, and he was a big reason why, you can work out a contract and bring Chase Young back. If you decide financially it's not feasible moving forward, that he's not going to give you enough productivity uh, to bring him back in 2024, then what you go ahead and do is you just move on from Chase Young. You He's going to go out, sign a big contract somewhere else, and you are going to incur a third-round comp pick that you just gave up. You get it back in 2025. So you lose one in 2024, but you get it back in 2025. So it's really no harm, no foul. And it's a lot of upside for the 49ers. Chase Young tears it up. They win a Super Bowl, and then you pay him. Great. 
Uh, if he ends up leaving in the offseason, but you get a comp pick back, great. Uh, it's, a, it's a solid move for the 49ers, but they want to make sure they have an edge opposite of Bosa that can get it done. Uh, so I, I think the good thing is they don't really have to uh, decide, you know, what they want to do with him right now. And that's what Stovey's saying here. Plus, if we don't resign Chase, we get a third-round pick back if he signs on a new team next year. Exactly. You know, and I mean, the funny thing is, right, we gave up uh, a, a third-round pick, or we got a third-round pick, comp pick back when Martin Mayhew became the general manager of the Washington Commanders. Now we just traded that back? Uh, I mean, that's that's one of the funny things is, so... Uh, Finkelstein says, I still remember when I was uh, a young tyke, the Niners traded for who was the absolute difference maker, and he helped us win our first Super Bowl. Um, I'm guessing you're talking about, oh, I'm going blank, uh, Fred Dean. Uh, I'm guessing you're talking about Fred Dean. I didn't see you put it in there. Uh, but yeah, they traded for Fred Dean. He ended up being a difference maker, and the 49ers defense just absolutely took off after that. So yeah, that was Fred Dean, who would uh, smoke cigarettes at halftime and all that. Funny story, but I'm guessing that's who you're talking about there. T-Mac says, hey, thanks, brother. Uh, thanks for coming through, T-Mac. Really appreciate it. Always glad when you guys come through. Um, and Mr. Corey says, time for Kinlaw to come off that 99. Here's the thing. I remember last year because of Christian McCaffrey that players are not allowed to change jersey numbers during the season. So he's going to have to take a jersey number that is available. And last year when the 49ers traded for McCaffrey, Jeff Wilson Jr. wore 22, so he had to wear 20, uh, 23. So the option for Chase Young, he can't take a number that's already used. Uh, so what are what are his options? Well, I was thinking about that. Givens has got 90. Armstead's got 91. Uh, Kerry Hyder's 92 is now available, so he could be 92. 93 is Kalia Davis. 94 um, is Cleveland Farrell. 95 is Drake Jackson. 96 is available. Uh, 97 is Bosa, 98 is Hargrave, 99 is Kinlaw. Uh, Randy Gregory is number five. Uh, so what numbers are available? I think number one is available potentially. Um, so he could go to number one if he wanted to. I think he would have looked really cool in zero, but we know Sam Womack has got zero. Uh, so there's some teens that he could go to. You know, maybe he could go to one of those uh, numbers in the teens. So I don't know where he's going to end up, but we do know he can't be 99. As soon as he can be 99, what's he re-signed with the 49ers next year. Uh, depending on what happened with Ken Law, then he could be 99 next year. But I think that's going to be a, a big conversation trying to uh, figure out, you know, what his jersey number is going to be. Um, oh, yeah, and that's exactly what Finkel is saying here. 81, Niner traded for Fred Dean, who helped us win our first Super Bowl. Fred Dean was big that year. And, in fact, in 84, he held out looking for more money. Didn't play until, I think, like week 10. The 49ers defense was still one of the best in the league and ended up wrecking shop all the way through. Mr. Corey says, Ant, would you rather have had three straight losses be wins and no Chase Young or three straight losses and then Chase Young? I think it's an interesting conversation. I, I think knowing that the outcome is you get Chase Young, um, I think it's a, a good outcome. I will say this, though. You put yourself a little bit behind the eight ball with those two losses uh, that you're behind the Philadelphia Eagles. So, if Chase Young gets you over the top to where you catch the Eagles and you get the number one seed, then I say it's worth it. If Chase Young doesn't and you lose out on the number one seed, uh, I probably would have rather had the wins and just that the defensive line was playing uh, a lot better. So if it would have been mediocre play but we were winning, um, that would kind of change it. But I do like having Chase Young on the team. Uh, but it's, it's, it's tough to say. 
What's up, BB50? BB50 in the house is in. It looks like the 49ers are banking on pressure of the quarterback to overcome the DV pro- or the, the DB problems. Yeah, I think that's accurate. You know what I mean? I think they are counting on that. And um, that it does those two marry together. When you have great defensive line play, your secondary plays better. Uh, when you have great secondary play, it helps your defensive line. So, yeah, they can help each other out. And I think the 49ers are counting on defensive line to help the secondary out. I think they would have loved to address both areas, uh, but they had to make sure it was the right move in the secondary. The right move didn't present itself. I think Jalen Johnson was too expensive, uh, both with trade capital and then the financials that he wanted. He wanted a big deal. So they they made the move uh, that they made, and I thought this was a very smart move for the 49ers, picking up Chase Young, knowing it's no financial risk. He's only going to make a little over $580,000 this year. Uh, that they're going to have to pay. And then the fact you gave him a third-round comp pick, something you're going to get back if he leaves anyways, no harm, no foul for the 49ers. Uh, WTM says, Coach Ant, does this Chase Young move feel like we can be set at defensive end for the next three seasons? It's all determined on whether they re-sign him in the offseason. I mean, if they want to keep him, they can definitely keep him, but he's in the last year of his deal. So they would have to make a deal with him to sign him as a free agent. They could always franchise tag him. Uh, but we know that money for defensive end is getting pretty crazy. So we'll see what that ends up looking like. But yeah, I mean, they're going to have the option to bring Chase Young back if they feel that he's a long-term answer opposite of Nick Bosa. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. I think they were hoping that Drake Jackson was going to be the cheap option you know, next to Bosa, opposite of Bosa. So that way you didn't have to worry about uh, paying two high-priced defensive ends. You've already spent the money on the interior part of your defensive line with Armstead and Hargrave. So, I mean, it might not be financially feasible, but we'll see. I think they're going to worry about that after potentially the Super Bowl. We'll let this be a February, into February, early March question instead of a, you know, right now question. But I definitely get what you're saying there. Mr. Corey says, Danny Gray, Luter Jr., Khalid Davis, and the 49ers Witness Protection Program. Yeah, I think with the Danny Gray situation, how do you bring him back right now? Uh, there's just not a, a spot. Because if you bring him back, you potentially have to move on from Ronnie Bell. And if you move on from Ronnie Bell, he'll get picked up by somebody else and you lose him. I don't think there's really an option of him going anywhere else. So barring an injury, I don't know when we'll see Danny Gray. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Kalia Davis, he's inactive every single week. Um, I think you could add Nick Sakel to that list too. Witness protection program. We're just not going to see them. Uh, very much this year. Ryan M says DBs have issues because quarterbacks have all day to throw. I think it definitely does coincide. You know, the the more time that, you know, that team has to throw the football, it makes it a little bit more difficult. But when you know you can put pressure on really quick, uh, then the, what happens is then defenses can take, secondaries can take more opportunities, take away reads one and two, depending on the concepts that you run. And like I said, make you go to that check down, that kill zone where you can blow it up. So you're right. If you have a really good pass rush, you can make it difficult. And let's all remember, that was one of the things Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans did a lot, was they would play tight, tough coverage on the secondary, and then they would know that that pass rush was going to get home. If the pass rush didn't get home, then there was big plays down the field, but they definitely hung their hat on that. And it yielded a lot of opportunities for the 49ers secondary to make plays, but also for the the defense to get home. So I think now we can get kind of that back to that. Let's let them have the opportunity for explosives, but let's go ahead and counter our defensive line to get home. And I think right now Steve Wilkes has been trying to limit explosives 
to the utmost. Uh, and I think that's caught him, you know, a little bit uh, with his pants down as far as when plays are underneath uh, because the really good quarterbacks are able to do that. BB says, Ant, what are your thoughts on putting Steve Wilkes on the sideline and out of the booth? I think it's it's a situation for each coach to determine where he wants to be in call, call offense or call defense. Uh, we've seen very successful defensive coordinators from George Seifert to Vic Fangio be in the box. And then we've seen successful defensive coordinators like Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans do from the sideline. I think either one is okay. I think it's all about personal preference. I don't think you're going to get some, you know, a huge spike from putting Steve Wilkes on the sideline. He's not really the type of raw, raw guy that D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala were. Uh, they were very, you know, uh, energy infused and they expressed their energy on play after play. When it comes to Steve Wilkes, he doesn't. He's very strategic. He's very controlled. Uh, he's, he just makes sure he stays analytic the whole time. So I think the booth actually suits him very well. If he decides to come out of the booth and call on the sidelines, um, you know, I don't know how much of a difference that'll make. I know you can see the field a whole lot better being in the booth than you can on the sidelines. So I think it just all comes down to who you want to be and, you know, uh, and where you want it. But, I mean, when you have position coaches like Chris Kacarek, uh, Johnny Holland, Daniel Bullock, uh, I don't think you have to have your defensive coordinator on the sideline Chris Kacarek and Daniel Bullocks are very intense individuals. They can get on their guys, and really that's their job as position coaches. Uh, so to me, I, I don't really think it's a thing. Um, I mean, Kyle used to call offense from the booth. Uh, you know, Now he's a head coach, so he has to be on the sidelines. But uh, to me, I just think it's however you feel like it. Mr. Corey says he wore two in college. Well, Diomero Lenore wears two now, so it won't be two. Uh, we'll see. Um, I don't game like I used to said. Hopefully Chase can say, hey, coach. This is what we did against Philly in our games against them. Oh, most definitely. I think that he can share some knowledge. He's going to understand what they did against Philly, um, you know, how to attack Jordan Maialata and the rest of that defensive or rest of that offensive line. He'll have insight on what things they like to do against Jalen Hurts. It, that never hurts, right? It never hurts to get information from a, a player like this. So I think that's a good point. And really, I mean, now you have a legitimate option opposite of Nick Bosa. Uh, David Kemp said, Wilkes is probably going to use Young in his own blitz pass coverage. Oh, don't you put that evil on me, David. Don't you do that. Uh, I hope not. I really do hope not. Mr. Corey says, Hargrave is only guaranteed money for 24, and that's it. They can afford Young and Ayuk. I think they can afford it. That's not the question. I mean, the, the 49ers have found ways to make sure they can afford the players that they want and that they need. Uh, so I definitely think they can afford it. I think it's going to come down to production. If he comes out and he tears it up and gets 10 sacks, you know, for the rest of the season and uh, has a big time season, the Warriors are going to look to bring him back. And if they, if he doesn't, then they can kind of just like, oh, you know, no harm, no foul, we'll move on. Uh, so I think it's a low risk, high reward situation for the 49ers. So I'm kind of excited about that. Paul says, could Anthony Lynn take over the defense if Wilkes can't get it figured out? Um, I don't know if he's the answer. I mean, to be honest with you. I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants to make an adjustment with his defensive coordinator in the middle of the season. If he believes that it's completely play calling uh, and scheme that is the problem, uh, then he ultimately could, and they could go a different way. You know, they also have Daniel Bullocks, and they have a couple other guys, you know, that are potentially uh, capable of being a defensive coordinator. I think you want to, you know, not have those wholesale changes because then you have another adjustment period. And so I think the 49ers would like to stay with Wilkes. I think they have guys on the defensive 
uh, coaching staff or in other positions that are perfectly capable of uh, being defensive coordinators at some point in their career. Obviously, Kyle felt they weren't ready at this time. Uh, but if push came to shove, I'm sure they would be willing to make a move. But I don't think we've quite got to the point now where it's time to move on from Steve Wilkes. I think it's just time to kind of circle the wagons, hone in on what they were doing wrong, and fix the problem. And I think Chase Young, uh, it brings another opportunity for the 49ers to uh, put pressure on offenses in other areas. So it's always a possibility, Paul, but I, I just don't think they're ready to kind of do anything about it right now. And Mr. Corey hits it. Here it is. What about Nick Sorensen? That's who I thought was next anyway, right? I mean, that's who I thought uh, when they first brought him over as a consultant. I thought he was going to be the eventual replacement for D'Amico Ryans, uh, but he stayed a consultant the whole time, so Mr. Corey's right on this. Now he's over nickel corners, so uh, potentially Sorensen does have the capabilities to uh, handle it, and so the 49ers could do that. Um, I just don't know if it's right now. Maybe Sorensen is the eventual replacement for Wilkes, once Wilkes leaves, uh, because I think the 49ers want him to have two successful seasons here, and then they expect him to be a head coach. I, I just, I mean, right now we're in a little bit of a lull, and so they got to figure it out. He has made a couple of mistakes, uh, but we've got to marry the defensive line to the, the, the secondary, and once we get it figured out, and maybe that's that learning curve where he was coming in, bringing some of his own things, hoping that the secondary was going to be able to do it. Maybe that's hurt the 49ers in run fits. Uh, so, but yeah, I like the name of Nick Sorensen. I, I think he's possible. Paul says, okay, let's stay faithful to Wilkes. I think as of right now, yes. Uh, but, you know, if the defense doesn't perform against Jacksonville the way we think and A starts getting out there, you know, where the four years are struggling over the next few weeks, I think it is a realistic possibility you could start to hear some whispers about potentially them going another way because they're all in. They're not letting this thing get away from them. So, uh, but I expect this week, I think they're going to really hone in, you know, the next couple of weeks on what they do well, what they don't, make the necessary adjustments, and get it done. And Chase Young's a big reason why. When you bring in a defensive end like that, and now all of a sudden it makes everyone else better. Not only did it make your other starting players, Hargrave, Armstead, and Bosa better, but now it made it easier for the linebackers. Now they have less guys getting on them, which made it easier for the secondary because now there's more pressure. Uh, it made it easier when the second unit comes in because now – Teams that were double-teaming Javon Kinlaw, are you double-teaming? You, you, you've you been not double-teaming Randy Gregory all the time, but sometimes you have. Uh, so it just makes it a little bit better. Your rotation with Cleveland Farrell can still set the edge in the run, so I like it. Uh, WTM says, Coach Ant, what grade do you give this trade? I give it an A. I can't give it anything else other than an A. When you add a player that's playing at the level that Chase Young is with the capabilities to play even better, uh, it was a position of need. And then you give up a third-round comp pick that you can get back if he leaves. I mean, it's like a, a coupon, right? Like, you got a Chase Young coupon that you could cash in if it doesn't work out. Why not? I mean, this was a great move. It didn't cost you anything financially. To me, the 49ers knocked this one out of the park. I'm giving it an A, and I don't think anyone would really argue with that. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, Joel says, everyone forgot that Wilkes has a better record than Sola and Ryan's thir Thursday first eight, through the first eight games. He does. And I get it that they've, they've had some mistakes. You know, I mean, we talked about the Minnesota game in the end of the first half, uh, but they held Cleveland to, you know, to 19 points, which was their season average, not a terrible performance. Um, they, with Minnesota, there was definitely some struggles there, but they forced a lot of field goals. 
Uh, so I think there was always positives to take out of it. And it's never been one of those things where I was like, wow, this is just egregiously bad. They can't recover from this. It's always been like one piece or a couple pieces aren't working together at the right time. And I think that's what you got to work on. And I think there was always going to be a little bit of a learning curve with Wilkes coming into this defense, learning a defense for the first time that he wasn't accustomed to running. Uh, but I just think the first five weeks gave us an opinion that not only was Steve Wilkes hitting the ground running, but they were actually going to knock it out of the park. And, and it just didn't happen. They finally started finding some effects. And what happens? Teams get film on you. You get four films on somebody, and then you have an understanding of what they do, and they start to take advantage of it. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Mr. Corsi's Ant, is it time to give Jair Brown a look? I don't think Gibson is playing well as well as last season. I think Gibson's playing really well. I mean, he's been taking tight ends out of the football game. Last week, he did it again. I mean, he was one-on-one, and he, and he was getting it done throughout the game. Uh, so I, I haven't had a real problem with Tayshawn Gibson. In fact, I don't think safety has been a real question mark, minus maybe tackling. I think sometimes uh, they haven't made the tackles that we'd like them to make, uh, but they've still produced three interceptions on the season. Yeah, Gibson hasn't had you know, the overall interception total that he did before, but he's still helping in run fits. He's still a good tackler. And they've been playing him a lot of man coverage against tight ends, and he's been winning, including wins against Darren Waller and Pat Fryermuth. Uh, so I think he's he's done pretty good. Do I think his numbers are as electric as last year? No, but I would say he's been a very solid safety, very smart, very intelligent, able to play in the box. Uh, so to me, I don't think you're going to see more Jair Brown. I think Jair Brown's got some work to do uh, before he takes over that that spot next year, but I get what you're saying. I just don't see it yet. I think Deshaun Gibson has played more uh, than really good. So, um, yeah, it's it's been great. So, guys, thanks for watching. I'm going to get out of here. I really appreciate you all coming through. Like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. For listening to the audio platform, 40 Yards Cutback on Believe. Really appreciate it. This episode, of course, brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. But I'll catch you guys all on the next one. Until then, stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way.